Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and other experts in the food and beverage industry about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. With a collective spending power of $1.5 trillion, the Hispanic and Latino population in the U.S. is a highly coveted group of shoppers who represent a significant growth opportunity for food and beverage brands that earn their trust and loyalty. But at 55 million people strong, clearly not everyone who identifies as Hispanic or Latino is going to have the same values, shopping patterns, or preferences. And to treat them as a homogenous group is not only potentially offensive to 18% of the U.S. population, but it could have long-term negative consequences for a brand. So in the spirit of Hispanic Heritage Month, which stretches from September 15th to October 15th, we are taking a closer look at this very diverse set of shoppers. To help us better understand the growth and market potential of the Hispanic and Latino customers in the U.S., as well as how best to reach them, I'm joined by Raul Corso, who is president of the Hispanic cookware and housewares brand, Emusa. Raul, thanks for joining us. To kick things off, could you set the stage for us by adding a little more color on the makeup of the Hispanic or Latino community in the U.S. and where the opportunity lies for food and beverage brands that hope to win over shoppers from this segment of the population? Uh, It is the fastest growing segment. Um, I'm going to say that the biggest takeaway or where the opportunity lies is understanding the differences between the segments. Uh, if you try to address the Central American community as well as the Caribbean with one-stop shop, uh, the program will fail. Uh, they do speak Spanish. They have a lot of similarities, um, behavior, way of cooking, tradition, um, family gathering. But the food that they prepare is different. There's a, a retailer that attempting to address it made a a very strong flyer promotion uh, using a very Mexican brand. And when you went to the local retailer here in Florida, well, they had end caps and pallets of that particular product. And that product just does not appeal to that Caribbean consumer. So the generalization about all Hispanics are going to behave the same is is not really correct. That's an interesting point. I mean, there's the Hispanic group is what fifty five million people in the u s and um it's always dangerous to make those kinds of generalizations. so I want to pull on what you were saying there and um maybe you could walk us through some attributes of the group at large and then sort of what maybe are some of the finer granule things that retailers and manufacturers should be looking at and sort of with that in mind, how these subgroups might overlap or vary from each other. Uh, uh, our specialty is cookware pieces, and I'm going to say about 40 to 50% of the portfolio crosses over to both worlds. The examples that I was using with you without mentioning the actual retailer was a very strong flyer with products of La Costeña brand, jalapenos, and a very, very strong presence, very nice ad, great flyer, excellent price point. Everything was perfect except launching it in the East Coast. Uh, in Florida, um, the Hispanic community is uh, Caribbean, is Cuban, is Puerto Rican, is Dominican. 
So if you think about jalapenos and you think about tortillas, you're thinking about that Central American community. If you think about plantain, you're thinking about a Caribbean community. So while the cooking utensils are a, probably a 40 to 50% overlap, you will use a flat surface for the tortillas, you will use a fryer for the plantain. So the other 50 to 60% of the portfolio of cookware pieces as well as the groceries that you're going to use with it is very unique to two very clear segments within the demographic. Uh, you have uh, the Hispanic consumers overall, and uh, you have a Caribbean person, which will be Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Venezuelans, Colombians. And then you have on the other side the Central American, which are Mexican, Honduras, Nicaragua, and they behave in the kitchen very, very similar. Different brands here and there, but the overall behavior is very similar. So segmenting and understanding that if you are a national retailer, uh, a mass uh, retailer, you're going to have uh, two very distinctive present while trying to address the Hispanic community. Uh, so it happens that they are somewhat segmented regionally as well. If you go to Florida, Florida is Caribbean. If you go to New York, you have both worlds, but the strongest presence is going to be Caribbean. So in the East Coast overall tour, I'm going to say Louisiana, you have a very, very strong Caribbean presence within that Hispanic uh, minority. And if you go from that middle of the country all the way to California, it's going to be more of a Central American type influence. A coffee maker for us, a stovetop coffee maker, a plantain smasher, those are items that are very unique to the Caribbean consumer. And uh, on the other hand, you have a tortilla presser, you have a comal, they're very, very specific to the Central American consumer. So understanding that is the key for that retailer to really maximize and cater to the consumer in that particular territory when addressing the Hispanic segment. Understanding that there are regional differences and cultural differences um, in what, what's being prepared in terms of food and how it's being prepared. Um, I want to take a closer look at shopping patterns. So the sales and marketing agency Acosta recently worked with Univisions uh, to publish their Hispanic shopper study. And they found that 68% of Hispanic shoppers say that they enjoy grocery shopping versus only 59% of the total U.S. population. Um, they also found out that 79% of Hispanic shoppers go to the grocery store with someone else, such as a spouse or a child or a friend. So I'm wondering what these observations tell us about the Hispanic shopper and how manufacturers or retailers can better approach them. I agree with the study, but I think there's more to it. Um, there's a, a, a family approach of uh, cooking at home. There's um, a sense of I'm um, taking care of my family if it's a hot, warm meal. It may not be solid, it may not be very healthy, but the fact that it's made at home has the sense that the family is being taken care of. It is a family approach, it's a family experience, it's about the taste of home. The uh, Latino, Hispanic uh, shopper overall likes uh, to find deals. And when they go to a grocery, they're looking for deals. So they are very, very inclined of finding that bulk up type promotion, that bulk up, that end cap, is something that uh, they feel that they're maximizing their, their expenditure on the grocery. 
And it's something that they do as a family, as well as preparing the meals at home. It's something that they do as, as an overall. It's not only the spouse, it's the kids, the, the grandma. Uh, it's the whole uh, family basically participates in the, in the adventure. So one of the things that you mentioned there was that this group is responding well to end caps and finding deals, and that aligns with what Acosta's study found, which was that 26% of U.S. Hispanic shoppers indicate that coupons available on the shelf really influence their decision, compared to only 21% of total U.S. shoppers. I, I guess I will even challenge the number. I think the percentage is much greater. Uh, I think you find uh, that they're very susceptible to cross-merchandising. I think if you put something and you bulk it out and uh, something that is an everyday product for a Central American family will be Maseca products, right? It's a flour to make the tortillas. And if you surround it with uh, uh, basket-type items and you display it as a cross-merchandising opportunity with general merchandise, that are associated with preparing the meal, uh, you increase the size of the basket. Uh, the results are tremendous. Not only that, if uh, in many cases, yes, they're looking for a bargain, they're looking for a deal, but simply bulking out the merchandise, finding a different vehicle to display it, uh, creates an immediate impact. Uh, it's probably, in many cases, the same price that the product has all week. But uh, the product in the shelf, uh, the product being bulked out, makes a, a very impactful difference on the terms of the product. Um, I can't tell you how important, I, and I guess that's true for, for many products, but uh, for this Hispanic consumer, anything that you bulk out is an opportunity for a deal. Okay, so let me run this number by you. So. The same Acosta study said that 18% of Hispanic shoppers responded well to um, product demonstrations versus only 11% of U.S. shoppers. Is that the same idea there? Uh, it, yes, product demonstration does help. Uh, however, you need to have the infrastructure to be, to be able to do a product demonstration. The club uh, stores are a format where that works. In a regular uh, supermarket, and I'm not talking about a mass chain, I'm talking about the small mom and pop, doing demonstration is a, it's a little bit harder to coordinate. However, any product that they have on the in-caps is uh, going to produce a very high rotation. So um, the, the merchandising itself, uh, not only demonstration, the merchandising itself is capable uh, of creating a difference. It creates an impact on how that consumer behaves. So far, we've really focused on the in-store, the brick-and-mortar shopping experience. Um, but I was surprised by IRI's Hispanic Link study, which said that Hispanic shoppers are planning to increase their online shopping. In particular, it said that um, it was projecting a 40% increase in shopping on Amazon. I'm curious what you think about this and maybe what's drawing Hispanic shoppers there or if these numbers are correct. I think uh, because such a large percentage of uh, what we consider the millennial happens to be Hispanic, uh, you see the trend. Uh, it's part of the trend. Uh, the millennial uh, is present on the Hispanic segment. Uh, they trust Amazon as a brand. Uh, there's a large trust. Uh, 
I think there's even a little space of elasticity. I think uh, same product uh, with, uh, I'm going to say, less than a 5 to 7% price difference. Uh, whether Amazon is, is uh, maybe priced a little bit higher than a third-party type uh, website, they will incline to trust Amazon. There's, there's that built trust already in that community. Uh, I think it will continue to increase. Uh, I agree. I think it's something that needs to be addressed, and uh, we need to be carefully uh, participating in that growth. And it's something that, uh, in general, merchandise, I'm sure, will be easier than groceries. But it's definitely something that we uh, we see the growth. Uh, I think uh, overall, as a company, our Amazon business has grown 42% uh, compared to last year. And that is a substantial number. Now, um, the uh, whether it's a millennial or not, the Hispanic culture will do both. Will definitely do a lot of window shopping if they're going to order it in Amazon. Uh, they will do a lot of that, and there are certain things that require that immediate satisfaction. Um, I I see in what is grocery and uh, and the impulse of general merchandise is still very very strong in the supermarket channel. However, large majority of the millennials in the U.S. happen to be of Hispanic heritage. The millennial population is also one that CPG manufacturers and retailers are trying to figure out. Do you have any advice on how brands and online retailers can better play to these or this group? Um, that's probably the best kept secret. I haven't found the exact solution to, to, to keep their attention. Um we are our success and growth in Amazon is about uh, making those hard to find pieces uh, online. Um, I think um, I think it's work in progress, uh, but I will share something with you. Uh, when you have a brick and mortar place product that cater to a particular minority segment, whether it's Asian, Hispanic, you need to have a minimum critical mass. So to find uh, a plantain in the in a grocery store in Florida is 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 pretty expected and common. To find it in New York, very expected and common. To find a tortilla machine in the bakery in Arizona, very normal. Now try to find a coffee maker in Alaska, not so common because there's no real critical mass. However, there is a Hispanic presence in Alaska. It's just not enough to merit for a brick and mortar to address the category. However, online, everything is available. So you see uh, a strong purchase power from states that are not indexing high on, on the demographic, per se. But 100% of the Hispanics there, in order to find the brands that they know and find the products that they use, they're going online. As the president of a company that offers cookwares and kitchen gadgets that appeal to different cultures. What are some other shopping patterns or behaviors that you've noticed that might help manufacturers or other retailers better engage with Hispanic shoppers? I, found, I, I, I have found, uh, I've been doing this for 20 plus years now, 21 years. Uh, I found that when... Uh, uh, a land consumer or an ethnic consumer overall is able to find the brands that um, 
remind them of home, the traditional taste, the traditional ingredients, it makes a difference. It creates a sense of loyalty to the store because it's where they can find the things that they miss. Uh, and, and he's a very, very loyal consumer. It, it takes a lot for him to decide to go shop in a different store. Um, I think one of the key factors is if you're located in Texas, if you're located in Arizona, if you're located in, in, in California, understanding that uh, the 16th of September is the Independence Day of Mexico, and uh, doing and tailoring uh, a particular week of promotions to, to that community brings a lot of equity and loyalty. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, how important soccer is to them, and uh, you're not only addressing the Super Bowl with Tostitos and so on because it's a Super Bowl, but you're also able to, to address some of the cups that take place worldwide, it brings a lot of loyalty. Once you gain the loyalty of the Hispanic consumer, you have to really treat him bad to lose him. And I think that's something that uh, is not produced by a point card. It's not produced by having a, a loyalty program. It's produced about um, creating those internal special events in the stores. That is how the mom-and-pop stores have been able to survive, having higher prices in particular territories, controlled by a, a national account, is that ability to, to, to celebrate that holiday, to uh, bring about a promotion for Day of the Dead, uh, celebrate that Independence Day, understand that there's a World Cup taking place. That brings loyalty, and that consumer uh, will stay with you forever. Looking forward, are there trends or brands that you see emerging or changes that retailers should watch out for within the context of the Hispanic shopper? I think all brands are trying to tailor to it. All brands are trying to gravitate to a bilingual packaging uh, one way or another. I think every brand is attentive to it. Um, some no, no so successful. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an example. Um, there's a comal, and a comal is a is is um, it's a flat surface can, and it's usually used to to do tortillas. But some nationalities don't call it comal; call them uh, plancha. And plancha for other nationalities within the segment means an iron. So. Choosing uh, what your label has to say goes back to that uh, MBA study about the Gerber uh, kids meal. That they put a picture of the baby in Africa and everybody thought there was a baby inside. So there's a lot of mistakes being made by not understanding uh, who you are addressing. Uh, you call that comal plancha and for some people is this an iron? Am I supposed to iron clothes with it? Uh, there's a lot of different um, definitions for a particular word that changes from one culture to the other. Uh, overall, I think everybody's trying to address it. I think uh, HB as a store does a tremendous job in Texas. I think Walmart store of the community is doing a very good job of addressing the different uh, segments. Um, I think those are two retailers that are doing a very good job. I mean, they're doing a good job. It's really understanding the different sub-segments. 
Yes. Uh, and also letting the expertise of the supplier guide you through it, uh, having that flexibility. So I feel like we've really come back to where we started, which is that 55 million people can't all be shoved into the same cookie jar. They can't. If you do, it's going to, well, you're not, you're going to be partially successful, let's say. Um, you're missing out and you're really not creating loyalty on many of those consumers. Uh, it's a very loyal demographic. Uh, you give them what they want, what they want to find, what they're used to, the brand they like, and they will be your customers for life. Well, I really appreciate you walking me through the ins and outs here and what I know is an important segment of the population and, as we've discussed, often misunderstood. So thank you for sharing your expertise in that. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in for another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, and I hope that you all will join us again next week. Until then, I'm Elizabeth Crawford signing off.